30 years ago, Los Angeles erupted into deadly riots. The streets blew up in fires and violence. Around L.A. now, commemorations and remembrances are being held. I'm ABC News correspondent Alex Stone, and on this anniversary, I traveled to the intersection where the world first heard the violence unfolding. So we're at, at Florence and Normandy we right are now. Florence and Normandy, yes. The flashpoint, they call it. How different is this intersection now? It's not, and how much is it the same as it was 30 years ago? It, it's not much different. I, I think there's an additional gas station. We are standing at one of the most well-known intersections in history. While so much happened here, it's also just an ordinary intersection like any other in Los Angeles. I'm with Reverend Najuma Smith Pollard, who was here in South LA 30 years ago when the streets erupted. I'm the hot sure. dog stand is here. Hot dog stands here. The liquor store is the still there. The liquor store is still here. It might have been a different owner, but the liquor store is still there. Um, if you go a couple of doors over either way, you still see these apartment buildings that are not, they're not in the best condition. It's like the area froze. Florence and Normandy looks like it's been preserved in time. Minus some minor changes, the intersection got a Pet Boys, now an auto zone after the riots, but that's about it. And Reverend Smith Pollard says a lack of change is not a good thing. Which means that there's still economic attention that needs to be brought to my community. Would it be better if this area was completely different than it was 30 years ago? It would be better if economic resources were made available to the people in this community. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report from Eyewitness News. This is um, Paul Moyer with Ann Martin. In, uh, excuse we are here me. putting just, our microphones uh, Just on. ran down yes. here. 30 years ago, uh, the world watched as L.A. Uh, began to fall. This is at uh, Florence, Florence and Normandy, and Normandy South Central Los in South Central Los Angeles. In the intersection, white truck driver Reginald Denny was pulled out and badly beaten on live TV. And beat the heck out of him. And the last time I saw him, he was laying on the, on the street, bleeding, unconscious. Stores have been looted. It was the immediate reaction to four white LAPD officers being acquitted without a single black juror for the beating of Rodney King. Not guilty of the crime of assault by force likely to produce great bodily injury. L.A. was a powder keg ready to blow, and it did. The economic struggle that individuals are experiencing in South L.A., people were tired. And then you have this, this case that finally goes to court and you're like, well, maybe he'll get justice for the all that didn't get justice. For all the ways in which the police have, you know, used the battering ram and ran into people's homes and then walked out because they had the wrong address or because they didn't find dope where they thought they were gonna find dope or all, all the economic challenges that people are facing where they couldn't buy tennis shoes um, for their children to go to school the next day. And so, the economic struggle, and then and then all and all the injustice people are experiencing, that they ha did not have um, recourse for and redress. Reverend Smith Pollard was 20 years old then. She was involved in First AME Church or Fame. Today, she is Assistant Director of Community and Public Engagement with the USC Center for Religion and Civic Culture. People are broken. They were tired. They were frustrated, and then you get this verdict, which was like the. Was, it was beyond, it was like somebody spitting in your face. It was beyond a slap. It was a spit. And it was, people were done. I thought police were supposed to, you know, protect us, you know.
It unfolded quickly. The verdict was a flashpoint, but the frustration had been simmering for a long time. Within hours, buildings were on fire, shots could be heard all over. The governor of the state of California, as you know, has called a state of emergency. The murder and destruction in the streets of Los Angeles last night and today must be stopped. But it grew. Much of the world saw it as black versus white, but it was also black versus Korean. Tensions had been high between the two communities since the killing of 15-year-old Latasha Harlins by Soon Ja Du, a Korean store owner who the previous year shot and killed Harlins believing she was stealing orange juice. Harlins was killed with money in her hand. Do was given probation. Many of the liquor and convenience stores in South LA were and still are owned by Korean families, and they took up arms. All of the merchants here are not going to wait for the National Guard or police or anybody else. You talked about guerrilla warfare, and it's right here, right on the premises here. Just about every one of the individuals in this lot has some sort of weapon on top of the roof. I'm not sure if we saw that right off the top or you see it now. There's a man up there with an Uzi. Uh, we have no hatred towards black people. We have nothing against anybody. All we wanted to do is uh, work hard and make it like the rest of us. And we know and this, but um, people are driving by shooting at us. Now, 30 years later, Haypin Im, president of Faith and Community Empowerment, says a fracture between the Korean and black communities is still there. She's working to mend it. The relationship between uh, the Korean slash Asian store owner and the black customer. I believe that is a space that really has been misdiagnosed the past 30 years. And without the proper diagnosis, I think uh, we've had a very poor chance of resolving those tensions that were really amplified uh, during the LA riots. Before the riots, there were tensions. She and Reverend Smith Pollard say the black community felt Koreans were getting chances to open stores that black families were not getting and the Korean owners were price gouging. But Haypin Im says the Korean families were just trying to survive on small margins. For the Korean community, where out of the uh, total businesses destroyed, 65% were Korean American, and that's 2,300 businesses. Um, so for us, it was a rude awakening. Now both sides are trying to find common ground. The fact that um, there is this perception that you're a store owner, you own all these goods, you must be wealthy. And the model minority myth that makes Asians look as white adjacent and privileged is completely untrue. But the fact that that is the impression, um, that a lot of accusations of exploitation and profiteering and being racist um, and stealing business opportunities from the black community because supposedly they get loans that are not available to the black community. Mm -hmm. Completely untrue, right? But I think these narratives have continued to raise tensions between those two communities. Korean and black or black and white, work is underway now by faith leaders to try to bring the communities together. Reverend Smith Pollard says it's less likely a riot the scale of L.A. would happen today because there are more behind-the-scenes efforts happening. But she says, yeah, it could happen again. No one should take advantage that it can. No one should say, well, you know, that can't, it, it can never happen again. No one should ever believe that. If, if we're not, if people are not, because, you know, what is a riot is the voice of the unheard. I didn't come up with that. That's a quote by somebody else. Um, so... It could happen again. Look at Minneapolis. Yeah, it can Look happen again. Absolutely. So many so areas. We're, I believe most people, a lot of people are led by organizing. They're led by strategy. They're led by whatever faith they hold on to. They're led by seeing results and not just 
fires. The riots would take the lives of over 60 people. Thousands were injured, billions of dollars in damage. And as she and so many others drive through this intersection, they remember what unfolded here. That's not like every day. I don't think Flashpoint, but you can't help but not remember. Yeah. Does it make you sad? Does it make you... No. Inspired. It inspires not you. To keep going, to keep to keep being part of conversations, to keep being, keep doing the work, to keep pastoring, to keep leading in whatever way God calls me to, to keep going. I'm inspired. I'm not made sad. I'm Alex Stone, ABC News in South L.A. Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts. 